welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist's relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff. My guest today is Dr. Marcy Beagle. Dr. Marcy is a New York City-based behavioral specialist and is the best-selling author of Love Your Family Again and Love Your Classroom Again. Dr. Marcy earned her doctorate from Teachers College, Columbia University, and is a board-certified behavioral analyst doctorate level. Dr. Marcy, welcome to the show. Why, thank you. Thank you. I am so delighted to be here today. Well, we are delighted to have you. Tell us a little bit about your background as a therapist and what you specialize in. Sure. I actually started out in the very beginning of my career working with children with autism. And I was trained to work with them in a very behavioral way that made sense to me. So I would sit on the floor and I would work with these kids and I thought they were amazing and fascinating. And the way I was being trained to work with them made so much sense to me. The behavioral contingencies, the taking data. At the end of the day, I knew what I did to make someone's life better that day. And it was so satisfying and so exciting. And what I realized over time was that the way I was taught to work with these kids was also the way that all other behavior worked. Mm -hmm. When I started giving more positive feedback to friends or family members or colleagues, they would do more of what I wanted too, just like the kids I was working with. And I realized that the way behavior works for these little kiddos with autism was the same way behavior works for everybody. So slowly my career expanded into working with all different types of kids, ages of kids, labels and disabilities and challenges of kids. And now what I really do more than anything is work with the parents and the teachers around kids, because the truth is the behavior problems that we see and that we experience often are a contingency of what we are teaching our kids to do. Mm-hmm. Now, some kids need to be taught differently than what their parents give them, right? Just that, that matching up. And so we as adults need to learn how to be the best version of ourselves so we can teach our kids to be the best version of themselves, which means really we're all just working through our behavior every day. Right. That is so fascinating. Yeah. Can you give us a brief overview of what anxiety is and how it can physically and psychologically manifest in people? Yes. So my not clinical answer to what (laughs) anxiety is, but my very practical answer to that is that it's a thought loop of a fear of something that is going to happen in the future. Okay. Doesn't mean it's actually going to happen, but we're, we keep getting going over and over, over a negative future event. Okay. Right. And what was the second part of the question? Um, how can anxiety physically and psychologically manifest in people? Ah, so it psychologically manifests by us not being able to stop that thought, change that thought, move that thought, or at least the belief that we can't change it. And then what we know is that our physiology and our psychology are intimately connected. So when we're scared, our heart starts to pound. When certain people are worried, they start to sweat. So the more you stay in this anxious state of mind, the more your body is impacted by that stress, by the stress reaction, by the stress hormones that flood your body in those moments of anxiety. 
And what are some things that people do to deal or not deal with their anxiety? So when it comes to anxiety, it would be lovely if we all were willing to face it head on and do the right psychological skills (laughs) to make it all go away and navigate it. But the truth is we often don't have either the knowledge of what the right tools are or the strength to actually put that in place. So I want to be really clear that there is no shame in the game, in the fact that oftentimes when faced with anxiety, we as humans will numb out, will avoid, will try to distract ourselves. Now, I am included in this. I have spent plenty of time (laughs) hanging out in bed, eating ice cream, watching Netflix because I was worried about something that I didn't want to face. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. So some of the things we do is avoidance. Food is a great way to change our anxiety because it numbs us. Mm -hmm. That also means alcohol. That also means drugs. If that's the avenue you go, it can be socialization. It can be sex. It can be TV. It can be being a workaholic. There are so many ways that we can take our minds off of what's worrying us, what we're scared of. Mm -hmm. And then some of us will just sit in it. We will be paralyzed in that fear. We will talk about it incessantly. We will go into a loop of it that's not actually productive, but just kind of like swim in that circle of fear, of anxiety, of like, well, what's going to happen next and not be able to get ourselves out of it. Now, on the other side is all of the positive tools that we can use to move through anxiety. And as, as a behaviorist, I think that one of the best ways to move through anxiety is to face it behaviorally okay. because our thoughts, our actions, and our feelings are all connected. Mm-hmm. So we can pick any one of those and change them, and then the others will follow suit. So when you're stuck in your anxiety space, it's going to be really challenging to change your thought. The idea that you're driving down the road and you're going to crash, it's not always as easy as saying, no, I won't. That's a dumb thought. Stop it which if we could, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Right. It's also hard to change our feelings in that moment because our body is flooded with chemicals that are making us feel a certain way. So let's change our actions. So lots of ways to change our actions in that. One is to change our physical response. So get up and go for a walk. Movement always will help change our thoughts and our feelings. Getting a glass of water because most of us live in a very dehydrated state. (laughs) (laughs) When you are upset, overwhelmed, confused, you name it, something's feeling kerfuffly in you, go get a glass of water, drink eight ounces, watch how it changes. Huh. Yeah. It's like magic. Oh, I'm going to try yeah. that next time. Yeah. Eating something, right? We see this in kids all the time. Oh, they're cranky because they're really hungry. Mm-hmm. We as adults get the same thing. And so our anxiety will increase in that moment when we need food. So right. there's all of those pieces, but then there are also the, the behavioral tools of moving our bodies, of having a daily practice that is going to help you face your anxiety. So for me, that's meditation mm-hmm. for me, that's yoga. Cause that just helps calm my system through and through. And when you start with a calmer base, it makes it easier to move forward with. For some people, it's journaling. For some people, it's having a daily mantra of everything is going to be okay. I can do this, right? One of my favorite things to teach people to to talk about themselves is saying, I can do hard things. 
because then hard things are less scary to do. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So there are, and you know, I, I could list to, to agnosium the different ways that we can functionally and in a healthy way face our anxiety. And a lot of it is finding what is the right tool for you. Right. So it's not always a one size fits all approach. Uh, We're coming out of 18 months of quarantine and isolation, and there is a tremendous amount of anxiety as we navigate reopening and defining what this new normal is. Um, Can you share your thoughts on that? Yeah, I got lots of them. And one of them being... Tell me all of them. (laughs) I mean, the very first one is that I'm not really sure that we're actually coming through and, and really opening. Mm-hmm. And the more we convince ourselves that we are done with the pandemic and that everything is going back to normal, the more anxiety we have when we hear there is an increase in number of COVID cases, when we hear that, you know, this office is delaying their reopening, when we hear that this school had, you know, to shut down a classroom again. And so some of it from the very beginning is framing the, this is going to be a longer journey than we expect. And we mm-hmm. are still in it mm-hmm. because that then allows us to say, oh yeah, we're still in the uncertainty. So let's accept that we don't know what's happening yet. So that's my, my very first thought for you on it. My second thought is to be really kind to yourself about the year and a half we've had about the year we have coming up because it's exhausting Yes, we have always our entire life lived in uncertainty and not known what tomorrow brings, right? There are all of the cheesy sayings that are also true of, you know, kiss your mom goodbye because you don't know if you'll see her tomorrow. Like all of those things of enjoy today, right? My favorite one being yesterday is the past, tomorrow is a gift, today is a present. Mm -hmm. You know, I did that completely wrong. It's something about today being a gift. That's why we call it a present. present. Yes. (laughs) But the past year and a half, we have had more uncertainty in our face, more fear, more confusion, more division than ever before. And so if you are feeling more anxiety than you have ever felt, it's kind of a logical place to be. So be kind to yourself in it and normalize that of like, oh, yeah. Every single time I have put on the news in the past 18 months, they have told me that the sky is falling. Right. <laughs> so I'm scared that the sky's going to fall. Like, right. The logic behind that is, is very real. So as we are continuing on this journey, right, maybe mm-hmm. we're transitioning back to a normal, maybe not. Be kind to yourself if your anxiety is higher, if you're not sure what to do, if, if you need help, because all of that is very, very real. Mm-hmm. So what is considered quote unquote normal? And at what point should someone seek help? Um, I think the range of normal has gotten wider. <laughs> right? right. And as a behaviorist, I'm like, sure, whatever we think, whatever we feel, it's sort of the, what do you want your life to look like? Mm-hmm. That is how you need to define what normal is. Right. I, I, I will admit My parents are clowns. My sister's a balloon twister. I used to fly on the trapeze. Before that, I used to blow glass. Those were both hobbies of mine, not careers of mine. (laughs) My my family's weird. I don't know what normal is. 
So I love that. <laughs> you know, so don't look for normal in your life. Look for what do you want it to be? Mm-hmm. What do you want your life to look like? And what do you want your family's life to look like? And is your anxiety, are your fears, are your feelings or thoughts in some way stopping that from being your reality? And if they are stopping that, then you need help. If they are hindering you from doing things that you deem as safe and appropriate in this moment, right? Mm -hmm. Walking around the streets of New York City, kissing everyone you see, probably not going to be on your your to-do list today. So if that's part of your goal, you're going to have to wait a (laughs) a little longer. But but if your, your dream is to put content into the world in a podcast that makes a difference and you can't get yourself out of bed to connect with guests about making that podcast, well, then you need help. Right. 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 And so it's, it's that balance. And I will tell you for me, I hit a point this year where I wasn't able to show up in the world the way I wanted to. Now, let me be clear. I meant in the world from my apartment using the internet, but I lost my spark. Hmm. I was, I was, I, when I finally connected with the therapist that I'm working with, I told her I lost my sparkle. I love talking about behavior and mental health and families. Like you put me in front of an audience. You tell me that there's a company that wants to hire me to come speak to their community of parents. Like I am there in a heartbeat and I was getting requests and I was like, Oh, that. Okay. Sure. Hmm. And when I showed up, for the engagements, I'd be like, okay, let's do it. But there was nothing surrounding that. It felt like I was putting on a show as opposed to just being my genuine enthusiasm. I lost my sparkle. Yeah. There was no authenticity there. Yeah. And I could do it. And I I would like to believe that people still got a lot out of what I gave them, but I wasn't writing my blog. I wasn't thinking about content. I didn't post anything on social media for six months in the beginning of this year at all. Okay. And I felt lost. And so I called a therapist and I said, I need help. Mm-hmm. I need to find my way out. And that's coming from me who has spent my world. It's been over 20 years that I've been learning how to do this and helping other people. I have a huge set of tools in my toolkit. Right. And yet I needed help finding the right ones for me for this moment in time. And I share my story to say, if you need help, from someone outside of yourself or someone bigger than your friends and family. Cause as well-meaning as they are, they are not trained to pull you out of your dark corners. Right. And that's also a lot of responsibility to put on them. Absolutely. And so if you need help finding the right tools for this moment, please go find them. Coming up. Dr. Marcy talks about parents with anxiety and parenting a child with anxiety. You are a behavioral specialist. What advice do you have for parents who struggle with anxiety and are trying to parent while dealing with their own anxiety? Yes. So one is, I want to say congratulations 
you are still standing. You are still <laughs> engaging with podcasts. You are still, you know, if your kids are fed, if you are fed, if you're getting dressed, if, you know, your kids are sleeping at night, at least, you know, some of the time, <laughs> you're winning, right? So like, congratulate yourself for what you are doing first and foremost, because as a parent, you almost never give yourself credit for what you have done. So like, yay, from media for real. So that's one. Two, ask your kids neutral questions. Ask them how they are feeling. Ask them, what did you think about, you know, the soccer game, the our time at the park, visiting with those friends? What did you think about that? Because then you are going to get their answer mm-hmm. of how they're feeling from a neutral place, as opposed to, did that feel okay? Were you worried while we were there? The more you ask them questions that are embedded with your anxiety, Mm -hmm. the more they're going to say, oh yeah, that was scary. So to the best that you can, with all of your humanity, Mm -hmm. as in you will not always be able to do this, ask them neutral questions. On really good days, ask them positive questions. Oh my gosh, wasn't that great? If you can't get there, great. Just stick with the neutral. And then my third piece of advice for parents who are out there navigating their own anxiety while working to to navigate their kids is to make sure you have a private space away from little ears (laughs) to express your your feelings. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you think your kids are, you know, they're over there watching YouTube and you're sitting with a friend with a glass of wine. They're still in earshot and they hear you. Yeah. So make sure they are asleep, go for a walk, have them be in the house, you in the backyard, like make sure you really are far away when you are expressing your feelings. And I say that as in, it's not fair that parenting is like a job, but in this moment, that's exactly how you need to think about it when it comes to your anxiety. You would not walk in to a client meeting, to a business meeting of any type and be like, oh my gosh, y'all, I'm really worried about this meeting. Not sure how it's going to go. We'll see. Right? Right. (laughs) Client or colleague does something that drives you bonkers. You're not going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to smack you if you don't stop that. Sorry, I hit the table there. Right? Like you don't, (laughs) you don't explode or usually you don't explode on your colleagues, on your clients. When it comes to anxiety, I suggest you try your best to do the same. To hmm. recognize that you need to find a different space to deal with it, right? We've all walked out of the office, called up a friend and been like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. Please pick up the phone because I have to tell you the story. Right. Same thing with your kids. Navigate what needs to be navigated there and then find your own quiet space to have all of your feelings away from listening ears of the little ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on the flip side of that, yeah. what advice do you have for parents who have a child that struggles with anxiety? Yes. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah. So I would still ask them neutral questions. First and foremost, remember that they are going to follow your lead. And when you have a child who you are used to feeling nervous, feeling anxious, it becomes very easy for you as a parent to say, Oh, are you feeling nervous about that? Are you, are you worried about this? And because you are so intimately connected with your kids, you can read their mind like nobody else. You might know that they're feeling anxious and nervous. 
But don't tell them that because maybe if you don't remind them, mm-hmm. they're not going to notice. Right. If you don't name it, they're going to just keep going. So don't give them that out. The other piece is push them. Your kids can do hard things. Your kids who have anxiety, just like if you are an adult with anxiety, your kids need to, to feel that uncomfortability, feel that anxiety, and take the next step. Mm-hmm. I've worked with lots of families where the kiddos don't want to say hi to people. Like they're, they're, they're social anxiety, right? They don't want to say hi. And so the parents will talk for them and they'll smooth everything, everything over and make it better. And the very first thing I say is stop it. Mm-hmm. Do not speak for your kid. Teach them to wave if they don't want to say hi. But if you don't make it better for them, will they step up? Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they will. And they'll surprise you and let them surprise you. Let them be uncomfortable. Let it be hard for them. Because if they don't go through the hard now, they're not going to be able to do it later. And you want to build that resiliency there. And then the final piece for families, if your kiddo has anxiety, is to start talking to them about what you are doing to keep them safe and protected in that moment. The way to combat anxiety across the board is to consider the action steps that you are taking that decrease the probability that that negative thing will happen. So lots of fear around the health of COVID, right? We've all had some experience with this. So if your kiddo is anxious, going back to school, being in the classroom in person, all of those things, we can't really say, oh, you're going to be fine. We don't know that. We can't guarantee them that it's okay. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is say, you're going to be wearing your mask. You're going to go into school with your hand sanitizer. When you come home, you're going to wash your hands. When you get home from school, you're going to change your clothes so you'll have a different outfit when you're lounging in the house. And just list, have a list of five to seven things of these are how we are keeping ourselves safe. Every time that anxiety comes up, remind your kid to go through that list. Here's how we're staying safe. Here's how we know we're okay. Here's how we're experiencing this moment so that they can be like, oh, right. And it will start to change their thought process from the anxiety loop to the, these are my action step loop. And that is how we feel safe. So teach your kids to do that. So focusing on action and what you have control over. What are some tools, general tools, that all of us can use right now to deal with our anxiety? Well, the one I just shared to do with your kids is my favorite one for everybody. So So we'll start there of make a list, whatever it is that you're anxious about, make a list of five to seven things of, of how that is not true, what action steps you're doing to keep yourself safe, what action steps you're doing to prevent that from happening in the future, right? If you're scared of, of being fired, well, how are you making sure you're doing a good job? If you're scared, you know, of something bad happening in your relationship, how are you making sure that relationship stays good and positive? What are the things that you are doing to have that not be the reality? So that's one thing. Another thing you can do to face anxiety is to look at the truth, what is actually the evidence behind it mm-hmm. to make it true or not? So very recently, I, I, um, I have a 16-year-old client. So sometimes I, with, with tweens and teens, I won't work with a kiddo if I'm not working with the parents. But so this, this, tween, I, this teen, I was on, the, on a call with her and she had gotten her, the results from her AP exams in okay. a week and a half ago and she wouldn't open them. 
Oh, and I was like, well, why not? And she's like, if I did bad, it means I failed everything. And I was like, you got an A in the class on your high school transcript. Why does this mean that you failed? And she was like, it just, that's what it means. And I was like, okay, well, what's the evidence that you actually did bad on this exam? She's like, oh, I don't know what you mean. And I was like, well, what other tests have you taken? She's like, I've never taken an AP exam before. Okay. But when you normally take a test in high school, in 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 your experience, you've had, you know, many years of taking tests. What grades do you usually get? She's like, well, I usually get A's, sometimes B's. And since I knew her, I said, when you get a B, did you know you didn't do all of the studying you should have? She says, yes, absolutely. I, if, if, I, if I'm fully prepared, I get an A. I said, almost every time, right? She said, yeah. I was like, so like 95% of the time, if you study fully, you get an A. And she's like, yep. I said, how well did you prepare for your AP exam? She goes, well, I really, really, really studied. I did everything I knew how to do. I said, so then doesn't history, doesn't the evidence, doesn't the truth prove to you probably did really well? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, but I don't want to open it. <laughs> right? Because that fear feel, fills us in. And so you have to look at the evidence. You have to point to those places where you're like, yes, most likely I did okay. Most likely everything will turn out. Mm -hmm. And then with her, I gave her a deadline. I said, okay, you don't have to do it right now. Cause I could see like the tears were coming. She, her body was starting to shake because anxiety really is overwhelming at times. I said, I will give you 48 hours. I'm going to call you. 48 hours. And if you haven't opened your test results, we're going to do it together right then. And she said, okay. And because there was then a deadline, there was a structure to it. There was, she could work herself through it. When I called her, she had not opened them, but she was ready to do it with me. She didn't want to do it alone. Hmm. Okay. And so we opened and she got the equivalence of an A. So it's a five on all of her exams. Hmm. Like (laughs) I was like, you just spent weeks. She spent two weeks filled with panic about her whole life being a failure Wow! because she didn't want to open that email that gave her her grades. Right. And it just overtakes everything. It overtakes everything. So when that's the, the scenario for you, the tool is, point to the evidence and then take action. It can feel hard. It can feel overwhelming, but the only way to combat that anxiety is to actually do something. Opening that email was power Mm -hmm. for her as a human to say, no anxiety. I got you. Right. And let me deal with the truth of whatever it is. If she had done horrible on those exams, then we would have had to deal with those feelings but let's actually deal with those feelings instead of the fear of what that's going to be, which is why right. anxiety is. Right. Let's face reality. As hard as it is, facts are knowledge that we can then go do something with. Get to that place. Wonderful. Uh, any other thoughts you want to share before we go? So, I mean, I, th- I think the, the, the two things is, the two things are, that's much better grammar, is one <laughs> No, that matters. One is you are not alone. It is not you in a bubble feeling anxious, even when it feels that way. And that knowledge that this is part of the human experience, especially right now, 
can be so valuable to change it. So that's one. The other final thought that I have is that idea, and I know I talked about it briefly, but it's so powerful, is to remind yourself every single day that you can do hard things. I actually have a post-it on the edge of my computer that says, I can do hard things. Because (laughs) then no matter how overwhelming and how scary and how hard it feels, you will be able to move through and do what you need to do in the face of that anxiety. And once you start taking steps, the anxiety starts to change and shift. So every day, remind yourself, remind the people you love, remind your kids that you can do hard things. Amazing. Dr. Marcy, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your knowledge and expertise. It is beyond appreciated. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love having a space to help people to share what I know because if it is going to make your life better, then it was time well spent. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Dr. Marcy Beagle. For more information on some of the topics we discussed and to learn more about Dr. Marcy and her work, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. Tell a friend, get the word out. We'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a rating or a comment in whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety and the Artist is produced by Grost Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Bosco Chef. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Mm-hmm.